This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're now listening to Boomsies with Dan O'Toole on the Bet Rivers Network. Feeling great. Didn't when I woke up this morning. You know, you wake up and you're like, uh, you're just like, your body's like, let's be mad. But I have the ability now to hit the reset button. I never had that before. And I'm like, no, you are going to win this one. And so it's going to be a off Remy it's gonna be a great day what's up everybody hope you're enjoying your ice cold Or your Canada Dry Blackberry. I mentioned Canada Dry Blackberry on the podcast last week. And I'm not, I'm not over-exaggerating, but I was inundated with people taking photos and sending them to me on direct messages on Instagram saying, Tulsi, you were right. Not a single person said Canada Dry Blackberry. Garbage. Everyone said this is the beverage of the summer. Love hearing that. Episode 70, the Braden Holtby episode. Pride of Saskatchewan, 299 wins in the NHL, won a cup with the Caps, then played a season for the Canucks, and then a season with the Stars where he's now on long-term injured reserve. From all indications, a good dude reached out to uh, our friend of uh, this podcast, Brooks Like. I said, Holtby, you're one of your teammates. Good Good guy? He said, great guy, great family. That's all I needed. He's got the stamp of approval from Brooks Like. Peter repeats, OHL champs. In the first year that Bet Rivers sponsors the CHL, my hometown Pete's make it to the Memorial Cup. It was written in the stars. And I love for all of eternity the championship celebration, the Pete's on the ice, the Bet Rivers ad right in the corner. So when I'm like 90, I'll show my kids, you remember when? Remember when? So the Pete's are going to Kamloops. I was so excited watching that. Still can't believe they beat the Knights. David Slade Goliath. Great time to 
to be a Pete's fan. Hearing from people all over the world that they, uh, they've been keeping track. Because if you're from Peterborough, we got the Lift Locks, we got the Pete's, and we got Quaker Oats. You got those things for life. Ingrained in your body. Uh, Blue Jays stink. So I won't be watching them for a while. Probably now a good time to go to a Jays game. Because uh, they garbage. I had a lot of American friends. They say, oh, it's a holiday up there. I said, what holiday? I said, Queen Victoria. And then I looked up pictures of Queen Victoria. She did not look nice. Can we start getting rid of the monarchy? Gordon Lightfoot Day. Gord Downey Day. Peterborough Pete's Day. Queen Victoria, you had a good run. Gordy Lightfoot, he's taken over. I watched uh, McGregor Forever on Netflix. And one thing stood out to me in that. He uses a rower. I use a rower. So I believe I'm going to start my MMA career at the age of 47. Voice this to my voice this to my daughters. One of them was like, "No, don't do that." Another one was like, "Yeah, do it." So they they start having a conversation. You want to see Dad go into a, a ring and fight someone? Yeah, I'm like, oh boy. Let's keep an eye. Let's keep an eye on her. Yeah, hit him, hit him. Who me hit him? No, him hit you. Oh, Michael Block, the story of the PGA Championship. A teaching professional comes in, finished uh, tied for fourteenth, thirteenth, twelfth, somewhere around there. Picked up two hundred eighty-eight thousand. He's now getting invited to all the events. Uh, next week's event in Fort Worth and then the Canadian Open gives all the teaching professionals, hey, look what he can do. Loved that story. Even got a hole in one. Brooks Kepka paid uh, plus 2000 to win that thing. Corey Connors faltered. Uh, went to the Pinty's Canadian Tire Series race. Uh, at the Canadian Tire Motorsports Park, which is 11 minutes away from my house. I always forget how close that racetrack is. Saw Canadian racing legend Ron Fellows, good friend of mine. He's part owner of the track. Every time I see him, he's like, hey, you want to cut some grass? There's about 50 acres of grass. Um, great turnout. I always feel bad for the campers on Victoria Day weekend because it always rains and it's always some portion of that weekend is inclement weather. And whenever anyone says to me, hey, I'm going camping this weekend, I have to to feign enjoyment in a response. I'm like, that sounds fun. 
when in my heart, I want to say, that sounds not fun. But I, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, as I tell my kids. Find 10 things positive to say about something before you bring a negative. Like, hey, we're going to the race. Don't say, ah, it's going to be hot. Do we have to walk around? Say, that's going to be a blast. We get to, to people watch. We get to do whatever. Uh, is it going to rain? Is there going to be food there? So when someone says, hey, I'm going camping this weekend, I say, that sounds like a blast. When I really want to say, why do you want to pretend to be homeless? You have a place with a roof. Why take everything out of that structure, bring it somewhere else, and then have to pack it all up and bring it back? Because that is a living nightmare. But hey, camping. Sounds fun. <laughs> Sounds fun. Uh, the Leafs fired uh, Kyle Dubas. We saw, I, I think we predicted that last podcast. And I sent out a tweet when I heard this news. I said, it's Spezza time. I knew the Leafs weren't going to name Jason Spezza's GM. I just wanted them to. And then like a few hours later, like five, six hours later, it turns out Spezza quit. <laughs> and then I was inundated with people. This tweet aged well. Aren't you a fucking idiot? How do you feel now? I, I feel fine. I just wanted it to be Spezza time. Sorry, I didn't talk to Jason Spetz and find out he was quitting before I sent out that tweet. I want to respond to these people, but I'm like, there's no need, Dan. There's no need. So the search is on for a new Leafs GM and I, I figured out who it should be. And I'm serious. Try this for one year. You have to first pick a human. So I, I don't know whoever you want to get. Just pick a human. And then you have chat GPT be your GM. So because you can't admit a computer is running your team. But behind the scenes, you guys just let ChatGPT do it. But you need a human to be the face of it. Human enters all the info. They're the face of it. But ChatGPT runs the show. Try it for one year. And then you can reveal later, they're like, this person was doing nothing. We had a computer run our team and we made it further than anyone else has taken us in 50 years. And as I keep saying, what's the worst that can happen for the Toronto Maple Leafs? You don't win the cup. That happens every year. The experiment ends with you getting knocked out in the first round. That happens every year except this year. The season ends and Leaf fans are disappointed. That happens every year. 
what's the worst that can happen by you letting a computer run your team? Uh, We have a Leafs legend. Well, an NHL legend. He played for the Leafs. Um, Ed Belfour is our guest today. We're going to get to him in just a second. First, we have a ton of voicemails we have to get to. Like, we, I don't even know if we can get to them all, but the voicemail, I guess people like uh, long weekends to leave messages. So let's try to get through those and then get to Eddie the Eagle. Hey, Dan, Tim, and Z. It's Georgie boy, uh, Joe Archer calling in. Just wanted to give thanks to, uh, to you guys for, for the win uh, last time on the last episode there. Uh, pretty stoked. Can't wait to receive my stuff. Um, I'll definitely be tagging that on the old social medias. Um, I wanted to just chat that uh, going to my buddy's bachelor party on the weekend. We're going to go check, a, check out a Jays game. And one of the best open secrets that I don't think a lot of people know is when you go to the Rydome, you are allowed to bring outside food into the stadium as long as it's wrapped, bagged, or left inside a container. It's just one of those best open secrets ever. So if you want to save some cash, don't want to buy the super expensive stuff there, just bring your food in. Um, my wife and I have done it a couple times. We brought pizza. We brought crackers, cheese, just all sorts of stuff. So, yeah, it's a great way to save some cash. Thank you. Bye-bye. Joe Archer, thanks for the phone call. Great little tip. Bring your own food. But I think we can all agree the joy of going to a sporting event is the buying of treats there, especially if you're bringing little ones. Because if you're telling them, hey, we're bringing peanut butter sandwiches, they're like, ah, it feels like they're lunch from school. They they're excited to get all the ice cream. And if you can find it, the the uncooked hot dogs, the, uh, I don't even know what else they have. Pizza, pizza. Uh, maybe there's new food options. Oh, the poutine dog. That's a big hit. They want to get all that stuff. Next. Um, hello. My name is Small Feline Tom. And I would like to uh, call in here. I'm representing my dear friend, Itty Bitty Kitty Steve. Uh, he's no longer with us. Not, not, did not die, but he, um, he's gone. He mentioned something about finding himself. He's gone on a journey. Um, don't know where. Um, I think he mentioned something about finding an old friend named Ron out and about but we've let him go so um but he left me with uh left me with a question for you daniel would you please be willing to present us with your mount rushmore of potato chip flavors i'm assuming he'll be listening wherever he is thank you meow small feline tom uh thanks for the phone call Hope itty bitty kitty Steve's well. Mount Rushmore of potato chips. There's four faces on Mount Rushmore, correct? Four? Yes. I think I've asked that before. I just like to confirm. Don't be don't be mad, Tim. I just like confirmation sometimes. Okay, so we got salt and vinegar. 
And the thing I found with salt and vinegar, no matter what brand you buy, even the no name, you can't F up salt and vinegar chips, no matter who makes them. They're good. Ketchup chips, you can screw up. There are some not good ketchup chips. Ketchup chips is on there. And then that's it. Oh, no, all dressed. I got all dressed. Okay. Making this on the fly. I see that it's a toss up for the four. Maybe dill pickle, but I only eat maybe one bag of dill pickle chips a year. All the other kinds I can only take once a year. But salt and vinegar, ketchup, and all dressed, I can eat whenever. No problem. Lay's plain chips, I can eat those more than once a year. Maybe throw some Lay's plain chips on there with some hell of a good dip. So right at the bottom of Mount Rushmore, you got a big swimming pool size thing, a hell of a good dip. There's your Mount Rushmore of chips. Next. How do you, how do oh. you leave Doritos off that list? They're not, they're not potato chips. Correct. Thank you, Tim. Mm, they are not potato chips. Doritos are in a different class. But whatever class they're in, Doritos is at the top of it. But if you have to add dip, then I don't think it qualifies as Mount Rushmore. It's only Mount Rushmore if you have the dip. It's got to stand like, separately. It's like having a plain ketchup or a plain hot dog. You need condiments. Yeah, but you're asking about the best potato chip, not the best potato chip if you have dip. Ah, we're getting into semantics what, here. What about barbecue? Yeah, barbecue I put up there. Barbecue can uh, be alongside Lay's plain chips. All right. Thanks. Hey, Dan. This is Dirty up in Sault Ste. Marie. Uh, just calling to say that... Uh, Everybody knows it's lilac. Uh, sorry, uh, Zed Money, but uh, lilac, uh, you're done. Anyway, boys, keep up the great job. I realize uh, me picking on uh, Zed Money is probably costing me a CHL prize pack, but uh, you know what? That's the price you pay when you lay it on the line. See you, boys. So this was no. uh, the debate last week. And let me pull up. I put out a Twitter poll. I haven't checked it since I put it up. Um, Producer Tim said it's lilac. I said lilac. Some people said lilac. The results of the poll. um, Okay. So how is lilac pronounced? 81% said lilac. 19% said lilac. The people have spoken. That's a vote of 3,000 people. So I guess that's that's democracy there for you. It's lilac. I've been saying li, lilac wrong my entire life. I also was saying something wrong until uh, like my, my first live-in girlfriend, she came to meet my parents and it was like pouring rain outside. And I said, oh, um, you're going to, if you go outside, you're going to get soaked. She said, what did you say? And I said, you're going to get soaked. She goes, it's soaked. And then I realized I had been saying that 
wrong my entire life. And I also used to say cement, not cement, just cement. Again, I went to school with a school full of uh, one grades one to eight, and there was 60 kids. Did we get the best education? Me not know. But did we have fun? Hell yeah, we did. Class outside every day. Let's get to another voicemail. Hey, Dana boy. Just wondering, who is your favorite golfer of all time? And then second, which golfer would you like to play against as um, like a professional golfer? And then which member of the Toronto Maple Leafs would you like to play against in golf? Take care, buddy. Current Toronto Maple Leafs? I'm going Morgan Riley. Big fan of that guy. I'd play golf with him. Seems like a good dude. He sent us his bobblehead when he played junior hockey. Uh, so we became fans of that. Well, I don't think he personally did. The team did. Tiger Woods would be my favorite golfer of all time. No one captured the attention of the world in golf like Tiger Woods. And current golfer? Cap could be an interesting one. I'm going Kepper. But Tony Finau, I think, would be the most fun and relaxing to play with of the current bunch of golfers. Great questions, though. Morgan Riley, my pick. Morgan, if you want to play, call us up on the hotline. 289-796-2001. 289-796-2001. Hi, Dan. This is Drew Stanton calling. Um, about the possible uh, Coyotes uh, relocation uh, plan, I think as far as going to Houston or Salt Lake or some other places they've mentioned, we really haven't heard anything about San Francisco or Sacramento. You know, maybe keep it on the West Coast and add to California so California gets uh, another sports team and, uh, you know, that helps the whole area out. Uh, so what's your take? And as always, opinions, please. Thank you very much, and bye. Drew Stanton, our professional phone caller. I believe Z-Money, or Z-Money, as one of the callers called you, if you are pronouncing your name correctly, it should be Z-Money, because we say Z in Canada. You had a list of potential cities in which the Coyotes will relocate to. Can you run down that? Yeah, so uh, the city's... That have been speculated so far is Salt Lake City, Utah, Houston, Texas, Atlanta, Georgia, Kansas City, Missouri, Quebec City, Quebec, and the GTA. Okay, so um, I'm going to take Atlanta out there. They already tried that. GTA, they have to get approval from the Leafs, and I think they have to pay the Leafs something. That's never going to happen. Leafs are never going to allow outside competition, although it would be the easiest one to sell out a rink in. If you put it in the, the greater Toronto area, that team would be instantly successful. 
but they give the Leafs this power in which they can veto that idea. I don't get it. Casey, I've been there, and where the arena would be downtown, it's a ghost town once businesses close. I don't know if it would work there. I'm saying the front runners are Quebec City and Salt Lake City. But I don't think Gary Bettman puts another team in Canada. So I think Quebec City, because Gary's in charge, that's not happening. So I believe Salt Lake City will be the destination for the Phoenix Coyotes. Can I just uh, point something out? Sure. Uh, Apparently, Drew Stanton um, forgot that there's the San Jose Sharks because they're like less than an hour from San Francisco and they're only a couple hours from Sacramento. Good point, Tim. That's why I didn't even put those into the mix. Um, But Salt Lake City, it's between Salt Lake City. No, I'm just saying Salt Lake City. It's happening. That's where the Coyotes will be going. In the meantime, they'll be playing their next season in that 4,000-seat arena. So it's kind of an Oakland A situation. Everyone going to games will know the team's on the move. But, uh, hey, we're just, we're this is our farewell tour. Oakland A's currently getting, I don't know, like 1,000 fans a game. Selling ticket packages for like 30 games for $80. Good time to go see Oakland A's baseball. Uh, I believe it's, uh, I don't think we have any more time. I don't have time to get to these emails. Uh, how about we just we pick have one a voicemail, voicemail left? Oh, we have one left? Yeah. Okay, let's get to it quick. Hey, um, I hope this is Boomsies. Uh, I just wanted to say thanks a lot for doing the show, Dan and Z Money. And I listen to it uh, all the time. I listened to it when I was in... Uh, Cal, uh, sorry, uh, Alberta, and I was very ill at the time um, with uh, mental illness and uh, recovering alcoholic. And I just want to tell you that uh, you guys really have uh, influenced me on on trying to get straight. I've also been an addictive gambler, and uh, I've quit for the last month or so. And um, I'm just taking every step day by day and hoping for great things for all Canadian sports teams this year. And uh, I live in Kamloops and I'm looking forward to the Memorial Cup. And I just want to say bless to you guys and peace to you. And uh, I'm so proud of you, Dan. And uh, you have such great friends. I was an alcoholic too. And uh, all my friends always keep in touch with me. We were a good time and we might've done some dumb stuff, but we're kind people and everybody still loves us, which is amazing, man. And, uh, just bless you, man. Thank you. Thank you for being exactly who you are. Okay. Peace dear guy. Bye for now. Wow. I'm thank you, Tim, for letting, uh, letting us get to that email or that phone call. That means so much. Whenever I hear those messages or you send me a direct message saying that uh, this podcast has helped you through some tough times or helped you get a new vision on life, 
It was never our goal with this podcast for that to be one of the reasons for doing this, but it's become that and it's the thing I'm most proud of in my career. When we did our TV show, you'd get messages, people saying, oh, you helped me through some tough times with the laughter and stuff. And that always felt good. Always feels good when people say, I grew up watching you guys and stuff, but you're like, well, I want to, I want to do something more. I want to help people. And that's what this has turned into. And that just made my day, that phone call. And it means so much. Day by day. Just take it a day at a time. What's going to happen tomorrow? I don't fucking know. But I know today started out wrong, but I hit the reset button and I have today to just focus on. And that's it. No other noise, just today. And I can make it through today and have a kick-ass day with my cherry Coke. Let's get to our guest. The one, the only, Ed Belfour. Eddie, before we came on here, I reached out to a former teammate of yours who's a friend of mine as well, Steve Larmer, and he said, Eddie's a great guy, even if he's a goalie. Every time someone says, because I was a goalie growing up, every time someone says that, I'm like, why Why you got to be like that with goalies? <laughs> well, he's a forward, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Larms. great guy. Love yeah. playing with Larms. Just, should uh, be in the hall. Of, he should be in the Hockey Hall of Fame, shouldn't he? He should be, for sure. Why he's not, I, I don't understand. He is one of the most skilled guys of that period, and uh, you got to witness it. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I just don't know why. Don't know why he didn't yeah. get in. He's a great teammate, great leader, and uh, amazing shot. Uh, you know, I got to face him every day in practice and i mean just you couldn't tell where he was shooting he would just change it up at the last second and you know cut the puck or turn it over and just uh you know he he should be in the hall of fame for sure and you're back home in carmen going back home there's nothing like it very true yeah always love driving into town and uh the eddie belfour sign at the edge of town always uh you know, makes me feel great to to get back home here, see friends, and of course my mom and dad, and um, get out and play some golf, and you know, just uh, have some good laughs with uh, old friends and stuff, and tell old stories and stuff like that. So it's it's a great time for sure. Busting balls, it's the best. Uh, I did some research on your career, Eddie Belfour. First ten years of your career, here were the year by year scoring leaders. Gretzky, Lemieux, Lemieux, Gretzky, Yager, Lemieux, Yager, 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 Yager. And then in your last year in the NHL, the leading scorer was Sidney Crosby. You were there for the literal changing of the guard. Yeah, those guys were <laughs> a, a huge challenge to say the least, uh, you know, when they were on the ice and, um, you know, Mario, amazing reach and, and you know, just be able to see the the, the plays ahead of time. And, you know, I, I think he banked one off my, uh, off my pad from behind the net one time in the playoffs. Um, it was in the finals actually, uh, just 
you know, those guys, you had to be at your best when you're playing against them. And um, what a treat it was to play against them. Now, did your style change with the change of the guard? Yeah, my style, you know, every year it changed a little bit. You had to adapt. You had to get better. Um, you know, I, I was always of of the mindset that uh, every day I got on the ice, I tried to learn something and try to improve my game. Now, uh, in your first year in the NHL, you won the Calder, the Vesna. You're a runner-up for the heart. It must have entered your brain after that season. Yeah, this league ain't so hard. No, not really. <laughs> I knew, <laughs> you know, I played three years in the minors and, uh, you know, a lot of ups and downs and, you know, learning about myself as a young man and learning uh, the pro game and, um, you know, getting to the NHL was a dream come true. And Mike came in, Keenan gave me that opportunity. Uh, I, I was so lucky to have Vladislav Trechak as a goalie coach. And um, I knew that I had to get better all the time because you had the young guys that were, you know, trying to take your job. And you had to, you know, back then, if you didn't play good, you'd lose your job pretty quickly. So, you know, you always had to get better. And I, I took great pride in that. I always wanted to be the best. How is your relationship with Keenan? Because old YouTube clips, there's one game where he pulls you and you guys are jawing at each other. Was that just a moment in time? And and you guys uh, just venting to each other. Did you get along okay? Yeah, we got along great. Um, you know, he loved me because I was so competitive. And, um, you know, I always had a, a really good uh, background in, in fitness. You know, I did a few triathlons and, you know, ran track and cross country. So I was always in great shape. He loved that part about me and my com competitive nature. Uh, of course, you know, he was a very competitive guy too. And, you know, he demanded a lot and we'd get into it once in a while when he pulled me. That's, you know, I didn't like being pulled out of the games. Now, when I look back, you know, it was nothing personal. Um, you know, he's trying to win games just like I was. And, um, you know, he'd throw me back in the net once in a while. So we were trying to achieve the same goals, win, win night after night. Can you pinpoint the moment where you wanted to become a goalie? Uh, for me, it was watching Steve Penny the one year he stood on his head for the Montreal Canadiens uh, against the Boston Bruins. I'm like, that. this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. I want to be a goalie. Is there a moment, is there a goalie where you look at and say that was the reason? I didn't really have one specific reason, uh, but Tony Esposito was my favorite goalie as a kid. And... Um, I drew uh, two posters of Tony Esposito when I was in grade four, entered them in the Carmen Fair and won first prize with those uh, posters. I think I won $5 in a red ribbon. <laughs> that was pretty exciting as a young kid. Um, you know, we watched Hockey Night in Canada all the time, and, you know, I just loved the goalies. Even though I was a forward until I was 12 years old, um, I'd play goalie and street hockey and stuff. And once in a while, I'd put the pads on and practice when we were young kids and play goal. So, um, you know, I just always loved the, the equipment. And, um, you know, when the masks started coming into play, uh, there were some really cool designs of the, of the masks. So I always really enjoyed seeing the different, um, you know, designs and, and artwork that was put on the masks and, and, 
you know, I think that drew me to the position. And then right around age 11, 12, um, I got the opportunity to play full time in my little town here, Carmen, Manitoba. Uh, the other fellows that were playing goalie, they wanted to play forward full time. So um, at the time I was getting a lot of penalties and it was pretty uh, obvious <laughs> that, that Hey, maybe we should put Ed in the goal to keep him from getting so many penalties and kicked out of games. So I became the full-time goalie. <laughs> now, goalies nowadays, they have a goalie coach or a goalie instructor from like the age of 10. When did you have your first goalie coach? I'm assuming it probably wasn't uh, until you're in your 20s. Yeah, we. when I turned pro with the Blackhawks, that was our first time working. Uh, with a goalie coach, it was Wayne Thomas. Um, he taught us some really good movement drills in the crease. I uh, really appreciated that um, later on in my career. I didn't, in the beginning, I uh, didn't really understand what he was trying to teach, but uh, I tried doing his drills and uh, didn't really get what, what he was teaching at the time, like I said, but um, I started using his drills in practice and you know, as my game evolved, I, I'm like, hey, this stuff really works. You know, now I'm very thankful for uh, for Wayne's drills, and I used them throughout my career. And then I got Vladislav Trechak uh, full-time as my goalie coach. Um, Keenan brought him in, and that was uh, amazing um, for me because, you know, growing up watching the 72 Summit Series and, you know, the all the excitement of Canada playing – uh, Russia and, and you got to know who Vladislav Trechek was and amazing goalie and uh, now he's my goalie coach so um, you know how lucky was I and I learned so much from him and he's such a great guy and uh, you know we're still friends to this day I call him on his birthday every year and you know I just look back at that and, and just so thankful he had the tennis ball drill against the wall correct yeah I did it every every day those tennis ball drills and, you know, all the, the plyometric stuff that uh, uh, he learned as a player. Uh, just amazing. Um, and didn't he have his, something done with his knees so he'd be more flexible? No. <laughs> no? I always no. heard that. Oh, there were a lot of those stories and rumors and, you know, that wasn't the case at all. And uh, But him and I laugh about that every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, they're like, they made him into some super goalie, like took out ligaments in his knees or something so he'd be more flexible. No, no. Screwed up and, shit. Yeah, 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 if you remember, that was, you know, the butterfly style was just starting to come into play around that time, and there weren't many guys doing it. So, you know, it was, it was different. Uh, do you have a current favorite goalie? That you love to watch? Um, not really. I mean, there's the, the position has changed quite a bit because of the way the game is, is played without the red line now and they put the trapezoid in. Um, you know, goalies can stay in the crease a lot more now. They don't have to come out as much outside the crease. Um, you know, towards the, the end of my career, you know, I played – that style and I'll, I'll tell you it was much easier to play uh in that realm than it was in the beginning when the the red line was in the game no trapezoid and i played the puck a lot i was out of the net a lot you had to challenge a lot because there were a lot of i i've had three on o's i remember back when i was younger and 
you know, three on ones. There were a lot of two on ones every game, and you had to challenge a lot more. Um, but there's a lot of uh, a lot of great goalies. I mean, look at the playoffs right now with uh, uh, Bobrovsky in in, in uh, Florida. He's playing amazing. Uh, he's he's on his game right now, and uh, he's he's got uh, a lot of good luck going for him right now. And the team's playing awesome in front of him. Um, it's fun to watch. Um, you know, there's a lot of great goalies right now. It's it's it's, it's fun. There's the best time of the season, the playoffs, and, and you can see when you have a hot goalie, it makes a huge difference. Yeah, 100%. Um, so most guys, when they're done playing, you get into coaching, you get in, you maybe become a goalie coach, you get into management. You didn't go any of those routes. You're like, let's make some booze. You got into the booze industry. How did that ever start? Well, you know, most of us Canadians, we start drinking at a pretty young age. We, you know, drink beer and, and a little bit of whiskey here and there. And during my career, I wanted to get into the business, but we weren't allowed to. So um, at the end of my career, my son and I were sitting there, and he's also a goalie, Dane. And uh, we just started talking one day, hey, you know, let's let's do something together. And um, he had written a, a really good article uh, at college on the spirits industry. I read his article and I, I realized he had a, a pretty good knowledge of it and an uh, interest in it. So we started looking into that. Uh, our first notion was to look at vodka, but uh, this is about uh, almost nine years ago we started this venture. And uh, he said, uh, you know, let's look at the vodka uh, market, but it was, it was um, already uh, pretty you know saturated. saturated yeah there were a lot of brands uh so we started looking at brown spirits and um started looking at bourbon and rye whiskey which that's what we love anyway so uh one thing led to another we were watching um uh episode of moonshiners and uh <laughs> we're like hey let's order a still so we ordered the still the next day and uh, we just thought we'd do it on a small scale. And wait, how how was the first batch you made in that still? Was it like moonshine? So that was one thing we we learned quickly. There's a lot of laws involved in the spirits industry, and every state is different. And we were in Texas at the time, and you're not allowed to to make moonshine in Texas. It's illegal. So. <laughs> After looking into the laws, we decided, okay, let's let's get our license, and um, that took a long time and, and a lot of, you know, phone calls and emails to learn how to do this correctly. We ended up going to uh, uh, Moonshine University to learn. Uh, it's a really good school in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, so we learned a lot about about it there. We went to Wait, Moonshine uh, University is a real thing. It is, and uh, <laughs> they turn out a lot of students every year. And um, we went to the Canadian Institute of Distilling in, in Kelowna, BC also. Uh, learned a lot there. Um, so once we did that, Dane did an internship at Woody Creek Distillery in Basalt, Colorado. He, he worked there for about eight months. Uh, worked at the distillery during the day and coached hockey at night. And he made our first 12 barrels himself. Uh, very proud of those first 12 barrels. Uh, they were rye whiskey. 
Um, our rye whiskey is uh, quite different than what we grew up on here in, in Canada. Uh, it's, it's a more balanced mash bill of 70% rye, 20% corn, and 10% malted barley. Uh, it's got a really nice, sweet, spicy flavor to it. Uh, we really enjoy it. That's what, my favorite. So he made 12 barrels of that. Um, I remember trying it for the first time. I took some of my teammates up there. Uh, we were doing a uh, charity um, hockey event with the Dallas Stars and the Chicago Blackhawks in Aspen. And I said, hey, boys, you want to come and try our whiskey for the first time? And it, at that time, it was only about six months of age. And I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be good, but you, you, I hadn't tried it yet. So uh, we all tried it for the first time. And I think there was maybe 10 of us that went up to the distillery. And it was really good just even at six months of, of aging in the uh, white oak barrels. And um, we, we made a really special uh, uh, packaging with that first uh, uh, edition, uh, straight, limited edition, straight rye whiskey. It's got a beautiful uh, chalice cup sitting on top, comes in a beautiful box. There was only about 2,800 of those total. They sold out pretty quick. Um, I made one of those for each one of my teammates uh, that we won the Stanley Cup with in Dallas in 99. Uh, so like I uh, put Mike McDonald's number nine was on his bottle and that was number nine bottle coming off the uh, production line. So it was a lot of fun. Um, really enjoyed that. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. We have other special projects just like that going on right now. Eddie, um, I'm going to give you a suggestion. What you do with it is whatever you want to do with it. But you need to come out with a non-alcohol bourbon or whiskey because i don't drink anymore but it's a huge industry now the non-alcohol because people still want the the ritual and the taste of having like a whiskey or bourbon without the booze in it so if you can master that that's a gold mine waiting out there for you <laughs> i'll i'll take it back to the team and we'll get on it <laughs> yeah see that's all i just like the ball in motion because they're charging the same prices for these non-alcoholic bottles with no booze in them i'm like someone's making money off this i'm just hoping that we can get to canada with our stuff it's so i was different. just gonna ask so is it not up here yet no it's it, you know when COVID hit um you know everything got shut down and we were in the process of trying to bring everything to canada and uh I hadn't been to Canada for four years. Uh, this is my first time back visiting um, for any length of time, uh, which was really unfortunate. Never got to see my parents for all that time. Uh, very sad. Um, and then the process of getting into Canada is the uh, approximately about a year. And then you can get turned down last minute. And then the other thing that goes on is all the taxes that the government charges. So like our whiskey sells for about 55 to 85 dollars for uh you know the high-end stuff's a little bit uh higher priced uh like a single barrel um cast drink stuff uh here in canada once we did all the calculations it would end up on the shelf somewhere around 140 150 160 dollars and that's a difficult thing to to look at because you know, people would look at that shelf price and wonder why it's so high. Yeah, and that's the, a high price point. Yeah, and the reason is is because you have to go through the government and there's a lot of taxes. Mm. 
taxes. Yeah. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> we could go on about that for probably a couple of hours, right? <laughs> we could. I can't believe you hadn't seen your parents for four years. Yeah, it was sad. And they're they're 91 and 90 now, so that's a, a long time not to see your parents at that age. And I was just praying that they would make it through. Oh, and uh, they get to see their son. So uh, we'll get you, we'll get you out of here, so you can go back to visiting. We missed you here in Canada, and we uh, we'll look for your products on the shelf, and uh, we'll see what you do with my million dollar idea that I've given you here. <laughs> look for some royalties, right? <laughs> yeah, no, 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 not at all. I just like putting ideas out there, and if what people do with them is up to them. Right, right. Well, thanks for having me, Dan, and. You guys have a blessed day. Thanks, Eddie. Eddie, so much more we could have got into, but um, we were limited for time. But we thank him for joining us. Can't believe he hadn't seen his parents in four years. So happy that he got back to Canada, got back to Carmen, Manitoba, and gave his two parents, 90 and 91, a couple of big hugs. Thank you for spending your time with us. Go Pete's go in the Memorial Cup. Remember, never say Mem Cup. It's the Memorial Cup. Be nice to everyone. Give someone a hug. And when you're nice to someone and nice to everyone, it doesn't cost you anything. See you next week. Welcome to Boomsies with Dan O'Toozie. Live from Orno in the heart of Ontario. Oh, baby, Boomsies. Thanks for listening to Boomsies.